Hello? H hello? Is it me you're looking for? It's literally always been you we've been looking for. <laughs> yeah, ever. We only, we only ever started podcasting so we could play the long game and become your friend. Literally the whole reason was because I had so much fun with you in Prague. <laughs> Uh, I, I sent Joe to CanCon so I could shout at you and wake you up in the middle of the night because I wanted to be friends so badly. Have we met? Okay. I, thought, I, I know that <laughs> Joe is a CanCon. <laughs> Hi, Sam. Thanks for coming on our podcast. I'm really excited to have you here. Uh, make sure you fill out the, the pre-podcast survey so we know what to ask you about and what to plug. Sincerely, Jacob. The Rage of Sigmar podcast is intended for mature audiences. When the moon is in the Nashville sky And Jacob turns his computer on And Joe powers up his as well and make sure to hit record. This is season three of Rage of Sigmar. Rage of Sigmar. Of Sigmar. It's Rage of Sigmar. Or Sigmar. Uh, oh, right. Okay, so we can we can kick it off if you want. Uh, and welcome back to the show. This is how we always open the show by saying welcome back. And I am Jacob, your co-host, and I have my guest intern Joe with us. Is our friend Sam, who is a new YouTube sensation with his series, Short Reviews. Hey, Sam, welcome to the show. Yeah, AOS Shorts. Uh, hello, Jacob. Hello, Joseph. How are you? I'm all right. I'm just I'm I'm reeling that you guys didn't catch that I was being facetious that whole time because I would never open a show in a serious manner like that and call myself a host and say welcome to the show and not shout things and I think I'm just going to leave. I, I, I was think thinking about the best cold opens and um, for me it's probably that Indiana Jones scene where he, he swipes, like he's, he's appropriating Aztec culture, but he swipes the, the little <laughs> statue. <laughs> or, or it's the start of The Dark Knight where um, the Joker uses game theory to make all the other mobsters kill each other. Yeah. Is that how, that is, that's not how the, the, sh the movie opens. Yeah, it is. It, it is in my version. I thought it, oh, okay, good. I'm pretty sure it's how it opens, isn't it? Like it starts off with the bank robbery. Yeah, and he yeah. just I think he rolls out in the bus, and then the the credits yeah. might might come up or something. That sounds right. That sounds right. Sam, See, we did get to to movie reviews. Um, did you guys ever realize like the older movies have like those thirty minute long like music videos <laughs> at the beginning? <laughs> it's like a whole song and like credits and like visuals. It's like what? I'm so glad they stopped doing that. <laughs> so I um right before I moved to Tennessee, it was right around the time of year where we used to do. Uh, Twain Heart, which is like our, the big weekend that our our group in Northern California did in at our friend's cabin, Hengel, who we call Warhammer Dad. Uh, mm -hmm. You've met him, Sam. I remember um, him. Yep. Yeah, he's he's great. And um, but like nobody could make it out the weekend that we were trying to do it. So literally, me and Hengel drove up to to his cabin and had like basically a, a get drunk bromance weekend. We played some Malifaux 
and we like randomly watched um was it the graduate i think we watched the graduate and that movie like first of all it's a three-hour movie because back in the, the 60s when when like that was made they they like just didn't give a shit about the hour and a half sort of convention but also i mean like what you're talking about joe with those music videos with all these establishing shots that movie has them in the middle there's like a, a 30 minute segment where they just and like they just play the same like two and a half minutes of the sound of silence by Simon and Garfunkel and like pictures of him driving across a bridge for I'm not even kidding at least 25 minutes. It's unreal. There's the um, Spider-Man 3 and the, the start of Spider-Man 3 goes for 15 minutes and it's the whole first two films condensed. So just in case you don't know <laughs> the existing plot points or characters, you get the whole movies, which is um, is interesting. Would you? Well, I just it takes a lot of balls to to start a movie with previously on Spider Man. <laughs> yeah. Would you would you say that it was what it was called like a, a would you, you'd call it a best film? Yes. <laughs> you know you know what movie has like probably my favorite like polarizing. Uh, like openings like that is uh you ever see funny games the michael hanukkah version the original you made up all of those words right no um it's it's a horror movie it's like a one of the probably the best body horror movies in my opinion because it kind of defined the genre for me when I, it was the first body horror film i saw and i thought it was really good but um it's like a family's driving to their vacation home in like austria and as they're like going, it's like cutting between the shot and their car of them in their car driving, and it's like classical music playing, and then all the mm-hmm. aerial views of the car is like death metal. <laughs> Sam, have you seen that film? No, I haven't seen any horror films. The last horror film that I saw was I Know What You Did Last Summer, and that was in like 2002 and um at my parents house it's two stories and my parents slept upstairs and all the kids slept downstairs and and on the the night i watched that film i ended up sleeping upstairs that was how how significant an impact that movie had on me (laughs) oh man um the best part uh, i'll give a spoiler for funny games because it came out in like 2003 and if you haven't seen it you probably won't um there's like it's these two dudes like show up to a family's vacation home they're like Hey, we're from your neighbors. Can we borrow some eggs? And they're like kind of being dicks. And then out of nowhere, they just like hit the dad in the knee with his golf clubs. And they're like, we're going to play a game. If you're alive in 24 hours, you get to keep living. And uh, so the whole movie is like horrific. They're just torturing this family. And uh, there's a scene where they have a, they have like a shotgun and the mom Mm -hmm. gets the shotgun and she kills one of the dudes. And the other guy takes, he's like, fuck fuck where's the remote and he picks up the tv remote and he breaks the fourth wall winks at the screen and presses rewind and the movie fucking rewinds yeah and you're just like no no what the fuck like they were gonna make it like it was like the first thing in the movie that happened that was like positive for the characters and he just rewinds the fucking movie and you're like what the fuck oh man was that was he played by ryan reynolds by any chance uh, no I know that scene you're referencing the Ryan Reynolds breaking the fourth wall wink, but um, it was very similar. And uh, maybe Ryan Reynolds got his inspiration from that. You know, I think that that movie might have defined his career with what he wanted to do because he's such. Maybe it's maybe it's the real uh, it's the real Deadpool origin story. You know, like the one they give us in Deadpool one is actually just cloud cover. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, this is where he like actually started. Um. Yeah, dude, that, that movie's in, incredible. In 
Deadpool climbs out of the book and murders the artists, and I think that's how it ends. <laughs> he, he kills off the MCU. So that's great. Um, Is that the one where he like kills everybody in the MCU first? Yeah, that's yeah. I think so. He's the ultimate MCU character. He ends up. I remember the one where he like goes and fights like the young X Men and like he's or the Canadian version of the X Men and he kills them all and he's like it's during Civil War and he's like oh wait we're on the same side. <laughs> it's so good um sam thanks for coming on the show but i know we've been talking about having you on forever um it was just weird because we were both on a dwellers episode and none of you guys were on so for the six people who probably listen to us that don't know who the dwellers below is do you want to talk about uh your time you spent podcasting as i can hear myself coming through on jacob's end so it's fucking me up it can't be for me. I'm, I've got headphones plugged in. I can see the 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 track. All right, great, great quality Ridge Sigmar. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, do you want to tell us about yourself? I know we know all about you, but um, so I started in the hobby by going into a shopping mall. Is that 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 um? You know, every person that does one of these and they say, oh, and then I went to uni and there were girls <laughs> and they sort of like laugh and, like, and they say, and now I'm not I drink alcohol. <laughs> um, is that the bit? No, no. I want to actually know about <laughs> what you're doing with your life right now. Great. I, um, I'm currently working on um, a couple of Age of Sigmar armies, so... What have I got going? I've got some undead who are mixed mixed undead um, with a bit of uh, night haunt and flesh eater courts and legions of Nagash and maybe some, how do you say, Ossiark? Ossiark? Uh, yeah, Ossiark. Ozark. Ozark, like the Oz- show. Yeah, Ozark, yeah. Like the show. Ozark Bone Reapers. Um, we actually pronounce it Boner Eepers out here in the States. Yeah. <laughs> So I tried to like do this bit where it was just going to be as monotonous and as boring and long-winded as possible, but neither of you interrupted. Um, it's working. <laughs> we're going to edit out the whole thing. Uncomfortable at my end. Which I is didn't know we were having Clint on the show. <laughs> uh, uh, sorry, sorry, Clint's a great guy. You're gonna have to. You're gonna have to edit that out, Joe. Yeah, edit that in. Edit that out, Joe. <laughs> Yeah, so working on lots of different stuff. We're we're in hard lockdown here, so we can't play any games, and it's sort of killing my um, killing my hobby buzz. But I'm hopeful that it's gonna um, pick back up again soon. So we've got like five weeks of they call it stage four, and and stage four is no leaving the house at all. So um, it, it makes it a bit difficult to get get sort of into the hobby. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, our, our country is too too cowardly to actually even go to stage two. Uh, we were in stage one for a while, then out of stage one, we went to phase one, phase two, phase three. Then we're in stage two A, but they'll never get us to even like actual stage two. Yeah, like yeah. I haven't played any Warhammer or seen any friends in person since uh, March. So it's it's been rough. You mean at, at CanCon? No, no, no. Like, I'm saying, like, I played Warhammer, like, right before I was supposed to go to Adepticon. I mean, yeah. Chris Deeks played a game. But uh, aside from that, dude, it's, like, it's been, like, total hobby kill, right? It's sort of weird because I have these spurts of inspiration. So I bought a, a Skaven army 
um, when we started all this, we went and stayed at at my folks' place, and that was just a, an absolute mission. Um, and but it, it sort of like inspired me to, to to have a look at some different armies that that I hadn't played before or whatever. And I I got stuck into the Skaven there. Um, but since we've been back here, I've like sort of lost all motivation to even to even work on them. So it's a bit of a weird one. Yeah, that was like a pretty. Well, I don't want to say redundant negatively, but like it was a lot of night runners, right? Or gutter runners. Oh yeah, it was all Eshin. Like it was cool stuff. Like I don't know that it's particularly strong. Um, something like, you know, 200 shots a turn. Um, <laughs> re- <laughs> re-rolling. It's fives to wound, but it's re-rolling to wound. So what ends up happening, <laughs> it's effectively just like marginally better than fours to wound, but you roll a shitload of dice. Um, and then it was contingent on the Vermin Lords doing a lot of heavy lifting and Forge World um, in their wisdom didn't give the uh, Warpnor Vermin Lord the, the leader the leader keyword so it meant that he couldn't actually be the general or be in the army so he's one of the the first models that i painted and then it turned out i can't use him uh, which is a bit of a bummer and then it just sort of yeah it just sort of it sort of died off because of that yeah i hate that's like the only thing i dislike about the games updating so fast because i think it's great when you have like these minor adjustments but like that fucking war mammoth i was working on forever and like super excited to get that third beetle segment that you sent me and like i was like oh man it's gonna look so fucking cool and it's just like legended like fuck (laughs) except before you even started building that you said to me jacob i think they're gonna do this i don't know if i should build this model and put all this time and effort in and you know what happened i told you to go for it so long game achieved score is now two to one you're still winning (laughs) no but sam uh you know in the event that we have a listener who doesn't know who who the dwellers are, do you want to give us a little background synopsis, uh, like a, a fast pods, if you will, of, of who you who you were and what you used to be? Yeah, so back in the day, in in like sixth, no seventh, eighth edition Warhammer, um, there was a group of guys in Melbourne that were really into competitive Warhammer and shenanigans. And they formed a a little podcast. And this was before, like, everyone had a YouTube channel and everyone had their own podcast. So it was pretty novel at the time. Um, And they rose to infamy um, through, you know, repetitive repetitive jokes, um, particularly puns and that sort of stuff. Um, And then those guys all stopped playing Warhammer when Age of Sigmar dropped. Um, and Nick Cohen, it was the, the only thing happening in his life, and he was just sort of clinging onto it desperately. Pathetically, <laughs> and he, um, he, like a necromancer, he tried to rise it from the dead. But we were, um, we were <laughs> a pretty amateur, a pretty amateur under a series of, um, you know, seconds came through. So myself, Danny Carroll and, and Lockie Mulch K tried to to fill that void and, and failed dismally and it looks like we've we've shut down a second time. Yeah. Hey, you you're following you're following the exact blueprint of the original dwellers, so I think you should give yourself more credit. To his credit, Nick Gentilly, who was the, the best original dweller, Nick Strength two point five, um He's lost his mind during COVID and and now gets into <laughs> quasi-political debates with morons on Facebook. So that's that's what to do with when you've got the intellect of a doctor, when you're a doctor and you've, you know, gone through the best of the best in terms of the private schools over here, that's that's definitely a good way to use those uh <laughs> use that um academic background. That's 
It's just Chantilly's like super upset that he doesn't like the light elves. <laughs> he's like, fuck, he's unhinged. He's like, he's adjusting people's spines, but he's actually like snapping their fucking <laughs> back. <laughs> like, give me a quick neck adjustment. Oh, I killed another patient. Good thing I have malpractice insurance. <laughs> like, fucking techless. I don't know if this is um, something that can go to air, but his original mentor turned out to be the chiropractor to the underworld and had all of these connections and was laundering money um, and <laughs> like got dragged out to jail. I think that maybe I don't know if you do editing, maybe edit that out. But yeah, oh, uh, maybe was, we should we should make a TV show about it about him and call it Breaking Backs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, that's great. That's awesome. I'm not editing that out. So, Gentilly. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Let's, give, I hope, I hope let's look up the guy's, let's get the guy's name and also put Gentilly in Witsec. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hope you got your finances in order, bro, because they're going to audit you. Yeah, he, uh... Yo, guys, I, I watched uh, this, this show on Netflix yesterday, and it sounds... The, the Witcher. The I watched, it's called. It's the no, it, it was not. It was not The Witcher. It's called Dear White People. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's it's called Connected, and basically, this guy who pretends to be a scientist, who's actually just like a, a bad documentarian, digs into like these funny conspiracy theories, and one of them is about this thing called Benford's Law, which is mm-hmm. basically about the way numbers function, and like the idea that if you took a random sample of every number in the world. Or like every every number in like any given data set, and then you just took the first digit from every single one of those numbers. It's not actually an even distribution, but the number one shows up about thirty percent of the time. Number two shows up about seventeen percent of the time, and it's this curve down to where the number nine only shows up about five percent of the time. And it, they talk about how they can't confirm that the IRS does this, but the IRS, which is our our tax collectors basically in mm-hmm. the United States, uh, they they use that as a test to see if people are cheating on their taxes without having to actually check everyone's taxes. They just take the first digit from your entire tax return, see if it fits the Bedford curve, and then move on to the next person basically. Um, and they use it to like back check Enron's finances, and it like came out super wonky. It's like even people who are cooking the books and like have a a semi-legitimate looking set of numbers. They look a little too good to be true. You can just plug it into the Benford curve and, and see if it's accurate or not. And the whole reason I bring this up is because it was interesting. Oh, good thing we don't play with it. <laughs> good thing we don't play a game with a D10 system because we'd be not rolling a lot of nines. Well, I was thinking about just opening the GHB, pulling all the points values and seeing if they follow the Benford curve. <laughs> oh, that'd be fucking cool, dude. You math nerd. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. Um, all right. So do we want to actually open the show? Oh, this is the cold open, right? Yeah. It's going to be it's going to be all cold open and then we'll uh, <laughs> we'll go to a break and then we can do some wrap up and get out of here. Sound good? <laughs> yeah. um, is the start of Gladiator, is that the big battle when they're fighting against, I think it's like Germanic people um, and his archers ready? And he's like going, hold the line, hold the line. He's cruising down up, and I think that's that that's up there as one of the all time great cold opens as well. I don't. That was such a good callback. That was a uh, perfect callback. I I really didn't like that that camera style they use, where he's like in the midst of battle and everything looks like he's on an LSD trip. You know, like there's all like sh- like the 
that was a very early 2000s thing because you see that a bunch in dark knight also like in a lot of the, the fight sequences and like mm-hmm. what was it the, the ben affleck um daredevil movie right like oh, yeah. it's just jarring to watch and not in a way that's like oh i have like this very similitude with the character it's like everything's flying around me it's like no i think i'm gonna go have a seizure or puke from staring yeah, i feel sick <laughs> yeah it's like that it's the same thing kind of for that shot that uh, uh jackson did in lord of the rings where he like zooms the camera in while moving the camera back so it looks like the for- the background is becoming larger that's actually that's actually a really common technique and it's in like every every movie yeah but it's just called uh, a fuck what's it called i don't know but it, uh, it makes me uneasy no it's not called a zoom <laughs> no that's that's <laughs> the so microsoft much. competitor for an, for an ipad or an ipod oh no you think you're thinking of skype yeah skype <laughs> there you go so back to oh, scrivo did he ever get that money yeah i don't know uh we should just send joe do you want to send him the the zencaster link real quick and get him on the show yeah, hang on. He's my favorite dweller. Uh, let me just see what happens. See. By the way, that's been my, my favorite fucking gag, is just going up to Magro and telling him that he's our favorite dweller. I think playing Magro. Anthony. Polo. Yeah. <sighs> cool. Good, good follow-up, Sam. I did not see that coming. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's on the show notes? Let's start. All right, let's show notes. my print. Oh, man. I'm just scrambled at this point. Uh, so starting off, we've got uh, intro. Oh, check. We did that. We did that. Uh, slash cold open. I think mm-hmm. we talked about a couple cold opens. Mm-hmm. I will say, uh, I, I find the, the Saturday Night Live actual live cold opens, especially when they have good political commentary. I think those are way better than uh, like a cold open in a movie because they, they just feel so scripted. You know, it's not like... No, the best ones are like The Office or Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, oh yeah, when they're when they're tangentially related to what the the overarching story is going to be. <laughs> right, exactly. Just completely unrelated. I uh, I did that um, that like personality test where everyone's doing on Twitter where they post the four characters they relate mm-hmm. to most, and a bunch of the characters were ones I'd never heard of before. There was like a character from Mash, and there was a character yeah. from Castle. I was like, yeah. fuck! I, I wish I could edit all this out. But I couldn't. So I like start going down the list and finding names or like characters I actually know. And one of the first ones I actually knew was Jake Peralta. He was like one of my top matches. Which is funny because he's Jewish and named Jake and I'm Jewish yeah. and not funny. <laughs> my, mine was Timon from Lion King. Yeah, he was your full top four. <laughs> he, was, no, he, was, he was my number one by like 6% above my number two. Was your number two Iago? No. <laughs> <laughs> some guy from mash oh shit i hate you <laughs> <laughs> oh, hobby man. notes yep cold open yep hobby yep Ooh. okay yep any games okay. played sam you've been playing any games how lost building changed without allies well, what's that mean um no i haven't played any games <laughs> All right. <laughs> that's that's you know when there's an in joke that's got a super small footprint, like three people can see the hobby, no- the show notes. That's really like that's that's a deep cut. <laughs> oh man. 
Uh, Alright, well, we got to our Nazi jokes. We're good there. Uh, <laughs> Joe, have you played any games or been working on any hobby? Uh, I built seven converted marauders in the theme of uh, the shame of Xandri. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean to ask you, they, they have like the, you got the, the heads from uh, Puppet Wars, right? Yes. I said... And they've I, got like the Lawrence of Arabia heads. So what I sent out was I sent an email out with pictures of Sam's army and I said, I want to make this look like more modern. That's it. <laughs> I want to make this look, <laughs> what's the word I'm looking for, good? <laughs> that was mean, dude. <laughs> Sam left. No, he didn't laugh. I just did the I just did that quiz to see what four faces I would get. <laughs> <laughs> and it's four heavy set lesbians, so I don't know. <laughs> it's how you know it's good. It's uh, so accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see. You got you got Rosie O'Donnell, you got mm-hmm. Pumbaa from The Lion King. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, oh, fuck. Oprah Winfrey? Holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, Let's actually talk Warhammer. Um, Sam. So, Joe, you you did the Marauders? Yeah. I want to talk to Sam. Sorry. Uh, God, get fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Sam. (laughs) Just cracking open some bees. (laughs) Oh, man. Um. Sam, like, you're a big mixed uh, alliance player, right? So, mm-hmm. who do you think came out on top with GHB? Which grand alliance? Oh, from like a mixed perspective, yeah. Order's done really well because um, Croak was untouched, and Morsar Guard were untouched, and a heap of other stuff like Arkanor Company are really good. Um, boats dropping down, it like. KO across the board are really good. So I feel like orders orders done really well. My my order list um, just prior to GHB had only one change, um, and that was that the uh, Celestant Prime dropped by 40 points, and I'm not spending those 40 points because the new Triumphs are awesome. So it means I've now potentially got, you know, like re-rolled a hit on a unit of um, Morsar Guard or on a unit of 30 Hearthguard Berserkers. Well, didn't, they go, didn't they go back to the old three triumphs instead of six, where you can't really predict it? Yeah, so it's it's more pre- it's it's more predictable. It's reroll yeah. armor save to hit or to wound, yeah. and it's always relevant. Whereas some of the old ones weren't necessarily relevant. Like a free command right. point doesn't or matter in some armies. Yeah, yeah, or, or um, reroll a run or charge, but you had to declare it before you made the roll. So it's the, like that sort of stuff is really fringe. So I feel like order's done really well there. Um, to to an extent, I think death mixed mixed death now is like. Uh, can we can we do like hot takes on this show? Is that a, is that is that a thing you guys do? I don't think we really are into like, you know, controversy. If you could just give us a really basic overview, this, that's like not going to ruffle any feathers. This this might be a bit spicy. Um, this might be a bit spicy, yeah, particularly. Maybe, maybe save it for your show, then. Like, we don't. Is it, is we it, don't want to get listeners just with like controversial opinions. Is it? Spicy? I know you, a lot of your listeners are, are SJWs and they're they're flaky libs, um, so I don't want to own them. But I'm, I'm I might just drop a bomb. <laughs> oh, are you about to go page five on their asses? <laughs> I think mixed death might be the best type of death now. 
I think mixed death might be better than feck. It might be better than OBR. That's that's where I'm at. All right. All right, back it up. Yeah. Why? Let's hear it. I want to hear why. Why why is it that? Yeah, specific specific list tech and then if you could just go ahead and order it on mini stomp for me, that'd be great. <laughs> um via Danny Paint's work desk. I think I've got two two specific lists that I'm I'm playing around with. One of them is Death Riders in Mixed Death. So that's some that's some known tech um, where the, the they get the Nighthawk special rule for the um, hex raids, and I think hex raids they dropped in points. They're really good in the current meta. The um, Corpse card or whatever it's called. What's the thing that flies around yeah. called the Black Coach? Oh, Black is, Coach. A be- is a behemoth, and behemoths score an extra point in focal points. Uh, and focal points is in almost every pack that I've ever played in. Um, so I think that got better. Um, and I think that the um, the big catapults for OBR didn't go up. So I was expecting them to go up like forty or fifty points. I thought they were the most they were the best artillery in Warhammer. Um, and it, Generally, Games Workshop has tried to pair back shooting when it gets out of hand, and I feel like two or three catapults is out of hand. So they're behemoths as well. So they score an extra point in focal points, which is going to be in every event. Um, they are able to kill off support characters, which are really critical in a lot of the new missions as well. Um, so the, the list that I'm sort of leaning towards is the Death Riders Battalion um, paired with a couple of OBR catapults, and I think that that's going to be super strong. Um, and the the burning head, so getting them to reroll ones to hit um, when they're hitting on twos naturally is, is obviously really good as well. So that's that's one of the lists that I'm looking at. And then the other one is the Shroud Guard. So that's a battalion where um, Blade Guys Revenants get reroll. Um, sorry, they get a five up after save. So uh, making them a little bit a little bit more durable, and obviously lots of ways to bring them back as well. So I feel like there's a couple of lists there um, that are better than anything you can put together in any of the other books. What's the Death Riders Battalion do? It gives you plus one to your charges, and it means that if you hit a nine-inch charge, you get to fight in the charge phase. So that's super good. Got um, it. And it's, it's doing that outside of being able to do that in Night Hunt specifically. Yeah. yeah. So that, what that means is you can um, really soup those guys up because in Mixed Death, you can go cast the Necromancer spell on them so they fight twice in the combat phase already. You mm-hmm. can go the Vampire Lord for plus one attack in both the, the charge phase and the combat phase. Uh, and you can go the Knight of Shrouds for plus one attack in the combat phase. So you can get them up to four attacks each fighting twice in the combat phase and then three attacks each in the um, in the charge phase. They also do mortal wounds when they move over a unit. So they're doing right. mortal wounds on a five up then. They can just punch out heaps and heaps of damage. Plus they do, super- they do mortals on sixes to hit, right? Yeah, on sixes to hit. So you can do with 10 of them, what's that? Uh, 100 and... It's 113 attacks where sixes to hit are instant mortals. Um, and the, the however many wounds go through at REM 1 and then the horse attacks and all that stuff as well. It just allows you to do a heap of stuff with sequencing as well. Uh, they've got fly. They've got two wounds apiece. The coach brings them back. Necros bring them back. The vampire brings them back. So that, that's a, that's a, like a really underrated battalion and particularly strong battalion outside of the Nighthorn book. It's, it's really good in, in just plain old um, – in plain old death. And the other thing is death has the best artifacts. So it's got the um, 
Cloak of Mist and Shadows, which allows you to do a heap of teleporty movie shenanigans. Mm-hmm. And then it's got the Blade of Summons. And the Blade of Summons is awesome because you just roll 2d6 and that's how many wounds you get to summon onto the board. And they can be any summonable unit. So that gives you heaps of versatility because that could be um, Mimorn Banshees, which are Ren 2, damage D3, and they can stop endless spells and they've got all of these innate strengths or it could be blade guys. You get to bring up you get to bring up 2d6 wounds of summonable death. Yeah, you just just for free and then you'd Holy so, so, shit, uh, and are like so fucking expensive. Yeah, well they like, they're, the, they're the second most expensive. The most expensive is if if you roll um for chain what are they called? Chain Ghasts, mm-hmm. which are like mini heroes that give a buff to Blade Guys. So they enable right. Blade Guys to get rerolls for free. Um, and the other thing about the um, Chain Ghast is typically the max unit size, I th- I'm going to say is two, but if you roll like a six or more, you can bring up you, you can bring up three or more or whatever. So um, if you roll a 12, you could bring up a unit of six of them, which would be awesome. And they've got shooting and it just gives you so much flexibility um, in terms of what you need for the matchup because just generally speaking, like you can get blade geists really easily, blade geists to five attacks fighting twice and they've got retreat and charge. And the thing is the turn you bring them up, they're allowed to move normally. So you can always get them in combat turn one, um, no matter what deployment setup you've got. Um, because you you bring them on, you move them, then you charge them. So that's um that that to me that artifact is one of the best artifacts in the game. And then the cloak of mist and shadows is the best artifact in the game. So um, just those two things alone add a lot of strength to to, to your list. Yeah, um, at the boys this year or last year, uh, our friend Joe Urban took sixty hex rates, and uh, they're we good. Just, we just played um like a, a friendly game the day before, and like. Dude, it was like they were all over the board. Like I didn't know. I was like, "Oh fuck, man! I got nowhere to go." Like, and then it was just like, I mean, what? That's a nighthorn rule, right? They just come out of the ground like half the units, kind of like Stormcast do, right? Yeah, that's in the Nighthaunt book. Um, the de- the Dreadblade Harrow or whatever is called. He gets to do that innately, so you can move him around. Um, it, which is obviously super useful, and he's like a ninety point character that just sits in that battalion. Um, and unusually you can actually, you can take one to two. So you could take two of them, which I think is something I'll look at doing in the future because it's just, it, it, it's so useful, um, to be able to teleport and it's so useful to be able to move your bubbles around. So you're and not to you're, have to roll for it. Like storm. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really, that's really awesome. That's all awesome. good shit, dude. So here's, here's a follow up question to that. What kind of drugs and like, demon sorcery do you have to commit with all these books under your pillow to dream lucidly to like catch these things like what do you what do you do on a daily basis that lets you like catch these things that no one in their right mind is thinking about uh and have it work and not just be like a stupid shit list where someone has like a bunch of armored polar bears or something um sometimes they don't work but that's cool it's sort of like a uh you know the, the principle of fail fast you do something you see if it works and you, you adjust accordingly so it's um for me the thing that i really like about warhammer is being able to shut off the rest of my brain and just think about it and um list list building and list ideation is one of my like favorite things to do and it's um it's sort of just going on there in the background and you think about different elements and how they work independently and then you start trying to um sort of layer them and it's like almost a deck building philosophy of what what are the elements you want to include in your army 
Um, and for me, that might be like, I want to have a heap of um, mortal wound output. That might be the objective. Or for the list I just spoke about with the two Mortier Crawlers, I feel like that's a really balanced list. Like it's got 20 um, Chain Rasp in it. It's got two units of Dire Wolves. It's actually got heaps of bodies, heaps of speed. It's able to do wounds with Rand. It's able to do mortal wounds. It's able to pick off characters. The, char- the characters in the army are really tanky because they've all got Ethereal and they all get wounds back and they can they can get around the board really quickly. Um, so it's like thinking about composition and it's thinking about what are the, the various elements you want to get and then honing in on that. And like with my order, the only way that I want to play mixed order now is with as many null, deplo- null deploys as possible. So whenever Games Workshop drop a book or an artifact or a rule, it's like looking at it and saying, well, can I add that to, to something that I've already got? So I've been looking at the Lumineth stuff and there's a heap of really strong and cool units in that book, but none of them fit into the direction that I'm taking the list. So I just sort of carve them out of my mind in terms of like what I want to include or whatever. So, um, yeah, I so guess it's, the- it's more of a it's more of a you have a couple pieces of like we'll we'll call it esoterica, right? Like nobody, uh, and I'll say this with confidence, nobody knows the Nighthaunt Battalions. Oh, Chris Welfare does. He knows right, every like single. No, nobody, <laughs> nobody worth talking about knows the Nighthaunt Battalions, right? So, like, you happen to have like this weird little piece of knowledge of like, oh, this Nighthaunt Battalion is actually pretty decent, uh, and it functions outside of the way people tend to use it, which is in Nighthaunt. How how can I build around it? And like, you've got like a, a list set up, and then when you see new changes come in, you're sort of pro like parsing or processing like, oh, hex rates went down in points. That's interesting. That makes this even better. What else can I fit in? There's other pieces that you've sort of sequestered away as pieces of relevant information that you're just waiting to use again. It's a cool time of year as well because the new points drop and you might have like, I've got these half-baked ideas at the moment and I think to myself, oh, that would be really cool. And you would know this, this is particularly true of Stormcast. Mm -hmm. You write a list, you go, that would be really cool. And it's like, oh, but it's 2,030 points. Yeah. So this is the time of year when you can see if those those old lists all of a sudden are functional because of a couple of um, nominal drops across various units. And um, Right, and so you... uh when you know since Azir was down and the points weren't working you just you just go into your mind palace and pull that list back up <laughs> i never used Azir. i've got um there's this app mind back palace, in the old yeah. days there's this app back in the old days called quartermaster and it's just a um a spreadsheet app basically and you just in the background you're able to go in and you're allowed to muck around with the code um and you're able to um just build lists as if it's like a, a a pretty interface for Excel. Um, and when the GHB dropped, I updated all of the points for all of, like all of the points for Age of Sigma. Um, and it took me less than five minutes, it took me four minutes and 32 seconds. Um, so I, I do feel for those people that are using Azir because the output of this is actually better than the Azir output as well. Well, I, I mean, the joke being that there's also War Scroll Builder, which is... Is a joke because they make mistakes on it. Ooh, don't hot cry. take. Now, now we're getting the hot takes. Yes. All right, Sam. New GHB winners, losers, and sleepers for the best list building tech and why why they're bad or why they're good. Hang on, Jacob. Don't talk about Tony like that, Sam. I'll come down to Melbourne and I'll wrap you up, bro. Look, Joe, dude, that was a trap. I was trying to get him to say more incriminating shit and now he knows that we're <laughs> tight with Tony. Um, just, I think it's that Tony sends you the, um, the books before they're on public release. I think that's really good of him. Oh, uh, you can't say that. <laughs> you can't. 
he'll be upset. Um, oh god! What's funny is he never does that. He just sends us state secrets because he works for Raytheon. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, Sam, if there's a, a mistake on War Scroll Builder, all you have to do is tell Tony, and he fixes it immediately. Yeah, he's excellent. He's legitimately excellent. <laughs> we don't deserve Tony Pacheco, except when he's not. Ah. Uh, anyway, what were we saying? I think we were wrapping up. Yeah, fuck this guy. <laughs> Sam, did you know that we uh that we neither of us is wearing pants? If you need, if there's ever any awkward silences through the um through the lockdown, I've been trying to commit to memory um, as many William Martin Joel songs as possible, so I can always just belt one out. Is that Billy Joel? <laughs> Well, that's his stage name, yeah. <laughs> you know what? It, if there was one piece of like trivia or like movie quote that I really want to learn, like word perfect, top to bottom, it's Bill Murray's Caddyshack uh, section where he's like, where he's telling the story of himself playing in Augusta National and like he's just going to town on the flower bed. <laughs> Is that the one where they keep rolling out the dead guy and they're having a party at his house? No, that's weekend at uh, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it hurts me. It hurts me. All right, so what's uh, on the agenda? That's on the agenda. What do we do? So you said you said that death death is like the sleeper. You said order is the winner. Is there a loser for the mixed factions? I think destruction, every time they, like, by by dropping the realm artifacts, it means that some of the the units like the Stonehorn, the Troll Hag, they've gone from being really good in mixed lists um, to now being, it'd be difficult because they're 380 and and 400 points um, respectively. It'd be difficult to actually, I think, uh, build a list around them. And even just little things like, the Ard Boys went up 10 points. So in my mixed destruction list, I typically had 20 Ard Boys um, in the Iron Fist, and the Iron Fist would let you then move around your Rogue Idol, um, which has also gone up, or, or let you move your Gore Grunters. Um, and then they've lost their battle Orc Battle Standard Bearer, who was really good in mixed, and I bought a Gorbad Iron Claw, um, uh, a fine cast new in-box Gorbad Iron Claw, um, which... Was like you three hundred Australian for that? Yeah, it's like it's, it's like yeah, exactly a mortgage repayment or something. So sadly, he's just sitting in the front room. I've sold heaps of Warhammer recently, but I haven't I haven't plucked up the courage to to sell him because I sort of had such big plans for it. Um, but yeah, it's is, just is, the, he, is he sitting next to your like seventeen wyverns that you're never going to get to use? Well, I'm gonna. I'm still just going to use my wyverns. I'm just going to say to my opponents that they're in the they're allowed like. <laughs> the red, the red, the red women is actually still allowed. So, I've um, you know, I've I've probably like I haven't been able to come up with a list with the stuff that I've got for destruction, um, based on these changes. That doesn't mean that there's pro- there's not some other crazy destruction list in there, but I just think it's the one that's taken the most obvious hits. Um, 
and it's a real like it's a real basic move do you know what i mean like games workshop um not dissimilar to the american government that they target the disenfranchised and the needy and they take away from them while while pushing up the plutocrats so um they've got to have a good hard look at themselves yeah i really just i wish america had been play tested (laughs) (laughs) oh man so speaking about like uh beta test america i started watching hamilton last night i didn't finish it but it's pretty good i hate you so much dude (laughs) i hate you so much all right i asked you forever to fucking listen to the soundtrack i started watching it it's good you're just doing this to rub it in my face when sam is here so i can't actually say what i think it's do you like it do you like it jacob yeah, I really do. It's really sell good. it. I haven't, I haven't seen it. I've got Disney. We've got a thing called Disney Plus here. It's a streaming service that comes through one of the cable companies, oh, and it, it enables you to watch um, a, a wide array of shows on demand. So you, you you simply type into the search bar. They say whether or not they're available. Then you you watch them at your leisure. Um, you can pause them. You can come back to them later. You can download like some of the content. Um, yeah, it's it's like, based. Yeah. It's TiVo. It's basically. Oh uh, yeah, okay. It's like a. Yeah, it's like TiVo. It's like a souped up, like full movie YouTube. And it's got um, Disney, and it's got National Treasure One and National Treasure Two with Nicolas Cage. Oh wow! And um, and it's got Star Wars and Marvel, so it's got a, it's got a wide array of choices. And Hamilton's Why on that, so Star Wars and Marvel. Presumably through some rights deals. Uh, yeah, it has. Doesn't it have that Space Witcher show? <laughs> <laughs> it's the Witcher in space, right? Does it have Henry Cavill in it? No, no, no. But it's oh, that's a Mandalorian that's with, with uh, Oberyn Martell. Yeah, the, the spoiler alert: the, the Bandalorian, the the, the Nandos. <laughs> cool. Uh, so Hamilton. Oh, Hamilton to us. What's the story? Uh, young, plucky country takes on bourgeois elite. Uh, and against all odds, I won't tell you what happens. Uh, oh. But it's set, it's set to hip hop. So it's good. Okay. I'll give it a, I'll give it a go. I can't wait for them to do a, the story of the emu war with a uh, death metal musical. I feel like that would be like the next big. <laughs> okay, so you always talk about the emu war, and I'm way too lazy to to research it. Can you guys give me a quick synopsis? So what happened was in Western Australia. <laughs> it's wild that this is true. In Western Australia, uh, the state premier um, took umbrage at the behaviour of emus in the region, and they um they sent off a band of merry men to fight the emu incursion. And um, that sounds fake. This is real, and this is real. And um, the Emu War of 1932, and to address public concern over the number of emus running amok, um, the they 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 basically set up a an offensive. But what they weren't anticipating were that the emus had had sort of forecast this attack and set up a pincer move and the humans <laughs> lost the war to the emus. 
they only killed they only killed fifty emus and seventy one men died. <laughs> this does not sound real. How many how many men were in nineteen eighty two over in Western Australia? It's a famous Australian thing. It's it's ridiculous. <laughs> How many men were deployed in this fight against sixty five thousand? No, they had they had a this is the problem. This is the problem. They sent a hundred blokes and how many emus do you think were inhabiting the region? Like fifty thousand. Fifty seven thousand and thirty four when they did the census. It's like that was never gonna work. So did they think they're just gonna walk through with machine guns and kill every emu? I think this is like bayonet style. I think this is hand-to-hand combat. Um, <laughs> trench warfare is trench warfare, right? Yeah. Oh, but so did it? Did it like stop on Christmas for them to like have a nice little game of soccer with the emus? <laughs> oh my god! Are you guys still paying? Um, uh, what's the word? Reparations. Yeah, to the emus for what you did, or so? How does it work? Do you get? Are you only worth? Oh man! How many? How many fifths of a vote do you get compared to an emo? An emu? <laughs> their um, their their second plan after the first plan failed. Their second plan was just to erect these massive, um, these massive cyclone fences, which were effective deterrents. No, no men needed to die. <laughs> My grandpa gave his life to fight the emus for this country. You better stand for the national anthem. Oh man, that's funny. So that really happened. That's unbelievable. Now, our national anthem is a bit of a joke because no one knows the second verse. So there's like this ongoing, there's this ongoing thing of what's actually what is the second verse of the Australian <laughs> national anthem. Um, is it one of those things where everyone just sort of na 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 na? Exactly what it is. It's like Australians, all oh, let us rejoice. Na 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 na. Sounds like a William Martin Joel song. With just like a lot of na na na's in there. What like Harry Truman, Doris Day, Red China, Johnny Ray, South Pacific, Walter Winchell, Joe DiMaggio, Joe McCarthy, Richard Nixon, Studer, Baker Television, North Korea, South Korea, Marilyn Monroe. Like that. Na 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 na. <laughs> no one knows the words. Nobody knows the words to any of that song. That song is the biggest, uh, biggest like, it's not my problem song of all time. Like, oh, yes. Rosenberg, H-Bomb, Sugar Ray, Pamu John, Brando, The King and I, and The Catcher in the Rye. I think if you just give it a bit of attitude, you know, then that, that sorts that out. What yeah. happened was he was at a party, and it's the, the late 80s, and um, a kid says to him, oh, man, the, the Berlin Wall's about to fall. This is the biggest thing to have happened in the last 50 years. And he was like, absolute boomer move he just brattled off like 50 things as big as the as big as the berlin wall falling um and then he in, inserted that into a song and, and there you go the rest was history and and, was that's, and, history? That's, where, and that's how rap was invented yeah. what's, what's crazy is that billy joel is stupid enough to think that marilyn monroe and joe dimaggio are as important as the berlin wall falling well the best line in the song goes like this 
Jen Bien Fu Falls. And it's just like got a really cool sound to it. Um, and then you look into that conflict and that was one of those similar, not dissimilar to the Emu War, in fact, um, where the underdog, the Vietnamese, um, had built a stronghold in the hills and the French had underestimated them. And the French army, which was vastly superior both in numbers Tech, technology spend or all of the relevant metrics got its ass absolutely kicked by a, a small group of, of Vietnamese guerrillas. So that's really cool uh, for anyone that's a, a you know a student of history, a student of war. That's a really cool sort of period of time to to look into. Notwithstanding the tragedy of death and et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. Hey, hey, right after that, that's when the French were like, "Hey, America, we need help in Vietnam," and then we got there and they left. Right, and the exact yeah, same thing happened to us on a bigger scale. Right, yeah. Except we. Oh, so you're saying that you're saying the Emu War was was your Vietnam? <laughs> no, I'm saying Vietnam was our Vietnam. We sent quite we sent quite a lot of unwilling young Australians over there. Um, this is the, the, this is like there's bogan somewhere. There he is a pricking up. It's the sort of this is the sort of topic that can cause a fight at the pub. Um, and we've got this um, this What's a really oh boy. Um, We've got this really a famous Australian song. I don't know um, if it made it out there. Um, what's the guy's name? Jimmy Toto? Barnes. No, it's uh, um, men, men at Work. Land down on oh, there. There we go. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what they meant by always watching you. Because <laughs> there's all the Charlies in the trees. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> Is that not okay to say? That's not okay to say. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's this really famous song, Jimmy Barnes. It's called K San. And any pub, any pub in anywhere in Australia between like the last 45 minutes before it closes, when the, the floor is all sticky with, with spilt alcohol and whatever else, and um, everyone's dancing, even if they're awful, the K San will always come on and people belt it out and get the, get the words wrong. So that's one for you guys. Maybe maybe that's your intro song. I don't know. But what's it about? What, what what's it's the about Vietnam? It's about Australians uh, going over to Vietnam, and it's uh, sort of steeped. It's steeped in our culture because of because of that song, among other things. Oh yeah, we had a uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival had that uh, that "It Ain't Me" song. That's like the big Vietnam's track from the U.S. You know, where he's like talking about how he's going to get drafted, but everyone else who's like rich and their parents are senators and shit don't have to go to the war. Now I'm just looking at the show notes. There was nothing about tangents into, you know, things we know absolutely nothing about, but people are very socially and emotionally charged, charged by. So that's great. We've, yeah, well, let's, we let's, let's go to the main, the main segment, which is um, what, what is the actual name of the nation that, that Nathan Prescott's from? <laughs> oh my god! I know the answer to this one. Uh, United Kingdom. Now is that the group of? No, I thought I thought that's that. I mean, that's the conglomeration of the nations, right? I'm I'm just sad that of the United countries that I know, we're the third because it starts off with the United Arab Emirates, and then there's the United Kingdom, and then there's the United States, and it's a swift drop from. <laughs> Well, it, it has to do with the number of princes that live in the country. Oh, I thought it was from yeah. the number of uh, soccer teams that have the name you like Manchester United. Like, uh, yeah. I really feel for Chris because Chris moved over to Scotland 
and um, they're doing really well through the pandemic and Scotland's a great place um, and the English are about to invade again. So it's going to be like that film Braveheart. Um, the English are going to come up there and ruin yeah, it. Yeah, because there can only movie. be one, right? That's That's the movie? Have you seen that thing? It's on Netflix, which is another um, widely distributed sort of entertainment provider um, where you can you can jump on and you can actually you can share your password with your friends. So a few people can can use the same account, but they've got one out at the moment um, called The Old Guard, uh, which is basically the same story, but it's it's a little bit cooler. As as Braveheart, yeah, as Braveheart. Uh, I've seen the the ads for it. It's got. Uh... Charlie Z, the Heron, right? It does, and it's really funny because it's it it shot, um, like all of the scenes that are shot in the current day, um, are of a really high production value. And then there's a few flashbacks because they're Outlanders, the same as Braveheart. Um, there's a few flashbacks, and all of the flashbacks look like they've been done by a Year Nine drama troupe. Like they just. <laughs> This bit where she's riding a horse into battle, um, and it looks like I don't know her her children of her children have made her outfit or whatever. So, I wonder. Do you think it's a budget thing? Or do you think it was a stylistic choice? Because what that reminds me of, there's a Key and Peele sketch where they're making fun of, um, like, these swamp nerds who make glamour music videos, and like yeah. as as the scene progresses, he's running out of funds. So like the special effects go from amazing special effects tech to like corny 8-bit to like he's holding a lighter to, to cast fireball and that's the power of wings that was the song i love that that's good i really love i love the aa ron teacher he's that's that's one of my favorite one of my favorite sketches from anyone um and he just he he's really good at doing the role yeah well he does the same it's basically the same role he does except in a magical setting for clortho's inner city wizarding oh school God, that's so funny that's the best one they ever did that one and <laughs> that kid's running here on swiffers <laughs> i feel really i feel really seen by the one where it's just um calling up for pizza and pretending oh, yeah. to party. it's just one person <laughs> oh man uh sam i had a really good pizza here the other day i was thinking of you as i was eating it it was so uh, you should have taken some photos i like uh, i like sending photos one of the things that i like to do um, it doesn't relate to the show notes, but one of the things that I like to do is just <laughs> post really inane things in that chat. And sometimes, sometimes I get a bit of um, traction, and other times they just fall flat. But it's, it's more of a volume exercise. <laughs> oh God damn it! So why don't you talk to us about your new project of of responding to every tweet as though it's <laughs> like a handwritten letter? So I just noticed that that some people um, adopt personas uh, online, and they're they're really like smarmy, and um, I don't think the people realise just how like transparent they are. Um, and I've just decided that I'm going to start doing commas and exclamation marks galore. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I know who you're referencing. I'm tired. Oh, I'll just say Anthony Magro is one of the people that does it. Like. <laughs> Ping him a few because it's just like you can see it and you go to yourself, what the hell? That's not how people, humans communicate with other humans. This is like a, a PR robot trying to spit out like human dialect. So um, I've decided to adopt that. And other people clearly on the, the dwellers account have started doing that as well because clearly it's not just me. No, it is just you talking to yourself all day. <laughs> yeah, I even commented on it with four of my own accounts. 
I don't know who the um who the Marxist is, but that 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 stuff. Wait, is really? Gen- you don't? <laughs> no, I legitimately don't. It's genuinely clever and funny. I really like that one. Yeah. It's my new favorite Smorgan. Yeah. Sorry, dude. I mean, we we tried to have we asked him on, but he wouldn't come on, so we had you instead. Yeah, he said he doesn't own a computer because he doesn't believe in personal property. Right, he didn't build it, so he's not going to own it. Yeah. So, um, no, I, I just assumed it was Cousins because he's so well-versed in Karl Marx's uh, philosophy and shit. So, But who knows? I've heard rumor that he's Haiku Morgan. You, you need to look at the timestamps. That's the way to work it out. But it's it's posting at a time um, where if the Earth is like a Venn diagram, it's the it posts in that tiny little slither where they could be from America, the UK, or Australia. Well, um, you do know you can schedule tweets. Oh my god, that's that's very advanced. It definitely can't be from New Zealand, uh, not because of the timestamp issue, just because of the intellect issue. <laughs> <laughs> How how fucking mind like soul crushing would it be that it was Seth Cook? You'd be like, what the fuck? <laughs> uh, I love Seth. Wait, what if here? Real talk. What if it was? What if it was Dan and he was actually creating content? Oh my god! I mean, it would be. He's just like copying Marx's quotes and then like inserting Warhammer shit. That's like very much Dan Aoa shorts. That's so interesting. Do you guys listen to Hardcore History? Yes. There's no, the, as, the... as an American, I refuse to listen to anything with the word history in it. <laughs> that's, that's... But I am a big fan of hardcore adult entertainment. Okay. I, it's not hardcore. I just subscribe to a couple people on OnlyFans. It's not that serious. Dan, Dan Heelan's content on OnlyFans is terrific. I got Dave Witek, but it's been a big letdown. <laughs> A lot of food play. Yeah, oh my god. So, Sam, where were you going with this hardcore history bit? Because well, there's just a heap of stuff on Rasputin in there. And oh he's yeah, nuts. yeah, it's absolute, crazy. absolute nutter. Um, and I'm sort of glad there's no Rasputin, Morgan. That would be that would be almost too far. Uh, hold on, uh, I'm gonna go <laughs> signing it up right now. Grigori. I don't actually know anything about Rasputin. You should oh. listen to Hardcore History just generally, but this one that's called Blue Blueprint for Armageddon, uh, and it talks through the whole First World Conflict, um, and oh, it does some particular focused episodes, which is just amazing, and one of them is about what's happening in the Russian um, political circles. Um, that gave me nightmares, the uh, Blueprint for Armageddon, when he's talking about trench warfare and like how gr- brutal oh, yeah. it was. I was like, Awful. holy shit. They start. They start the war, and the French are coming out, and they're wearing full white uniforms, and they've got like um, the massive, puffy, like exotic, um, exotic bird feathers and stuff on them. <laughs> the Germans just have machine guns in trenches. It's just it's wild. It's wild to think about. Yeah, their um, their officers weren't allowed to take cover because it's considered cowardly. So all their officers were <laughs> just getting fucking mowed down. Mowed down at the start of the war. Yeah. And when he talks about how, like, like you don't, in that war, no one gained ground, they would gain, like, feet, you know? Like, oh, we moved 10 yards or 10 meters forward, and we lost, like, 150 men. And, like, so, like, everyone was just living amongst the corpses the whole time. Like, 
like, it's horrific to think about. Like, and this is this has been a really awful year. And I read um, there's this thing called Medium, and Medium compiles uh, sort of journalistic work from across the globe and across different disciplines and sends it to your email. And then if you're a subscriber, you can pay to unlock some of that content. So I don't know if that's something that you're, you're familiar with. And um, I read this article and it was like 2020 is in the top 10 worst years ever, but it's not in the top nine. And then it listed nine years, which were worse. And it, it the first year of the World War One was one of the years. And the, the the year that was at the very top was like 512 AD or something. And you guys would know about like the, the Dark Ages. And the Dark Ages literally were that this volcano erupts in Iceland and most of civilized Europe um, is engulfed in this black cloud that runs so long that no crops grow and everyone dies of starvation <laughs> and like the global population drops by 60 or 70 percent or something well, it's like, hold yeah, on. That, hold that, on. Year was, that year was a lot worse than this uh, year give, give it a second smorgan it's only august and i would really hate for you to jinx 2020 <laughs> <laughs> yeah we still imagine yeah. being shrouded in darkness for 24 hours of the day and you come out and you're like some basic 500 ad person you're like what the hell is this <laughs> <laughs> okay, but counterpoint, have you heard about the murder hornets? <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. Um, you could just live in like all the way north of Norway and then in the wintertime you have 24 hours of darkness. So they probably didn't even notice. Yeah, they're just like, oh, no. this, this is a, a early winter. Yeah. I don't want to, I, I feel like this is dropping a Kindle fire, but I saw... Um, Trump's presser this morning and the journalist in the presser, it's on one of his venues. It's at one of his venues. So like people are paying to be there. <laughs> and um, one of the journalists said, there's all these people here at your press conference and none of them are wearing masks. And he's like, yeah, that's a, that's a political protest. That's a peaceful political protest. They don't have to wear a mask. And I was just like, what the fuck? So if this guy gets a second term, potentially, like he's got about eight weeks at the end of the year where he could take us down to 512 AD levels, which would be quite a, that would be a feat. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hope he doesn't listen to this cause he'll be like challenge accepted, but, um, ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, fuck dude. Yeah. I don't, I don't even want to think about that right now. We, we were talking Warhammer. Hold on, for a little hold bit, on. Weren't we? Can you imagine, can you imagine if Donald Trump listened to our fucking podcast? For a second? <laughs> In between, in between commercial breaks on Good Morning America, it just decides he's going to like fire up Joe and Jacob talk about OnlyFans. Well, if he does, I I just recommend eggnog. He's he's putting out a few different cures. Eggnog, people haven't tried, but you don't drink it. You have to rub it on your your forehead. Oh God! Oh man! Was that a Chris Cousins joke? Because I'm here for it. Oh my god. This is already far better than our episode with Nick Cohen. I mean, not putting it out would have been better than our episode with Nick Cohen. Yeah. Also, releasing the, me the mega cast would have been better than the episode <laughs> with Nick Cohen. Yeah, that's an inside job, dude. The mega test is an inside job. So, Sam just spammed the chat with water like <laughs> times. So, I don't it's, know what's happening. I don't know what's happening. It's a joke for Thirsty Smorgan. Yeah. 
Uh, all right, Joe, have you played any games? Uh, yeah, I played a couple games on TTS. Last one was with you. It was fun. Cool. Uh, all right, let's do our CanCon review. Right. So Tuesday morning, I got up. Dad drives you to the airport. Yeah, he drove. He drove me to JFK, not LaGuardia. What? Not LaGuardia? No, because JFK is the, inter- it's the international airport. You know. Wow, that's crazy. Yeah. And then, and so then you flew to LA. Yeah, flew to LA. Got there. Guess what? I didn't know that you needed a visa to fly through New Zealand. And they told me, I, you're going to I, I, yeah, I know, but I was flying through, flying, I had to land there, right? So they're like, so, oh, down, so download, you in? download this app because apparently apps are new in New Zealand. We've had them here for a long time. So we download the app. Yeah, you like, you need them before dinner. Yeah. Or like, you know, it was onion, like, it was onion rings. Content. I'm not really an onion rings guy, you know, God, onions nice. make my tummy upset. So then I download the app, right? And then I had to pay for a visa, but it didn't approve it. But they let me on the plane anyway. So I flew 12 and a half hours thinking I'm going to get deported the second I get to New Zealand. But no one even checked if I had a visa. So cool. Um, anyway, that and then I got to CanCon and the rest is just a blur because we drank the whole time. I do remember Sam, I do remember Sam screaming at me. Well, he was screaming at you through the phone and me and Hohen were there. And then I don't remember anything else. What happened in game four um, on that interesting matchup between KO and the strongest build in Warhammer at the time, Hello Heart? Oh, that was the one where uh, one of the players quit like a turn in, right? Which yeah. Is what the French should have done at Gen Ben Full Falls. You're, you're talking a little too close to the mic. All I heard was it's what the French would have done at Jobber Fall. So if you could say it again, that'd be helpful. We'll just edit it. We didn't start the fight. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, I don't know. What else do we have on the show notes for, about Warhammer? Because I don't know. Apparently, I just get made fun of for writing show notes, so I'm not going to fucking say anything about it. <laughs> Yo, just leave Sam alone, bro. Dwellers Below have never had show notes, so. Uh, it's, it's, it's a foreign concept to him. Yeah, hang on. Let me check. It's, somewhere it's my birthday in 45 minutes. I was thinking, I wonder if I'll stay up for it. So we can, if there's inner interval and um, Joe's door doesn't get beaten down, we can just, you know, not really even talk that much. In fact, if we talk less and there's more awkward silences, the thing will go for longer. Oh, I was actually point. really enjoying that awkward silence. I was hoping none of us would break it. It's sort of like a staring contest. <laughs> um. Sam, I got something that I wanted to talk about that actually involves the topic of this podcast. Dude, what do you think about them getting rid of mercs? This, like, removing the ability oh, for, for every army. Like, at, so we just had, like, a year of every army being able to take a pregame move unit, which totally fucks up the Alpha Strike, uh, mm-hmm. especially Alpha Strike shooting lists, right? Because now you can deploy in a manner where you can't get all your, your super good shit shot off right away. So now that that's gone, are, do you think people are going to be going racing for the one drop or are they going to be racing towards or like kind of pivoting towards armies that do have a pregame move? Because I know Chaos has what has um, Untamed Beasts and you got Uncore Raiders, right? And I don't know if there's any more pregame moves in that, but who else has them? Yeah, so pre, pregame, what do you got? Um, that's really it because it was Empire Archers and they're out of the game. And skinks in the shadow strike, 
um, battalion, which was a really common battalion for Seraphon in the old book. They they had a pre-game move as well. So it's – I'm just trying to think. Oh, you know who gets it? Um, the spoilers in Slaves to Darkness. They get D3 units that move five inches. Oh, and um, bombs. And the other, oh, yeah, bones, please. And then the other one is um, in the Clan Eshen list that I was doing, there was like 10 units that got a pre-game move. Um, but they were all chaff. So, like, they they move just to create bubbles that the other person can't contest or bubbles so that the other person can't get you good stuff at the back. Um, but, yeah, I do think that it's really frustrating uh, and probably short-sighted design, a short-sighted design philosophy that, they, that they've removed them because I don't feel like any of them were doing anything particularly egregious and they gave well, people an opportunity it gave everyone access to Marauders, which are probably one of the more egregious War Scrolls in the game, but yeah, it came at a cost. That's a separate issue, right? Like, for me, right. I wanted to run, do deep striking Pistoliers and Outriders. That was one of them, and that, that, I was thinking about bringing the Pistoliers into my Order Armies um, because they get to shoot when they've charged, and that was going to add a different element to those entirely um, null deploy lists that I like to, to, to play around with. And um, one of my mates plays um, More Tribe, so Cole, and he's running um, a couple of dwarf cannons. And what he did was he converted up Iron Blaster cannons and converted up um, Noblars so that they look like they were engineers. And it was really cool what he'd done from like a modeling gaming perspective. And it wasn't particularly strong and it just gave his army a point of difference against other more tribe sort of builds. Um, so, yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, it, it felt it, to only give someone a year, like, like, so basically it only really. Just keep it in. What? They should have just kept it in. It doesn't make any sense to drop. Yeah, like, there's, you got a year to complete, you know, 40, 50 models, right? So, say you, it, it helped people who had a collection already, but like, if you were like, oh, sweet, I want to add, like, if you paint like me, I'm kind of a slower painter, you know? So, like, if I was like, I'm going to add 40 fucking Marauders to my list, it would have took me like three months, right? We didn't. We only had one tournament this year, obviously, right? This GHB, I went to three tournaments, you know? Um, and, like, you just put a lot of effort in, and then, like, the next year it's gone. It's kind of like, oh, that's a, a feel bad. And, like, if you didn't have, you know, say, say you didn't have a Chaos Collection at all and you wanted to add Marauders to the pregame move to adjust to the meta, you do all this work, and now it's like, all right, now it's back to collecting dust. That sucks. And you spent money on really shitty models. <laughs> yeah. Or you spent a lot of money on converting them like I'm doing right now. Right. That's what I wanted to do with my Marauders because I was going to do some um, some Marauders for my Skaven if I expanded out to just just like a whatever a normal clan army is called. And um, I was going to do, you know, the old, the old Skaven slaves um, were – literally like slaves that the Skaven had captured and taken down to their, what was their underworld called? Well, it's, now it's called the Blight City, but I don't know what it used to be called. I think it was called Skaven Blight, I think. Yeah, Blight, oh, yeah, Blight City. Skaven Blight. So they would bring people down and they would have like skinks tied up with gore, tied up with dwarfs, tied up with um, Bretonian peasants, whatever. And they're all like just chained and shackled and sometimes they're in cages and they have this really um, 
just like really great lore about their slaves. And I was thinking I'd try and paint up some, not to his standard, but in Danny's colour scheme for his KO and some that look like Nick's um, Chaos Knights or whatever, some that look like Lockie's guys that he's got on flat bases. I don't know if you're aware of this, but he uses wafers as the bases for his Age of Sigma models. I thought they were um, Eucharist. <laughs> Body of Christ. <laughs> I was just I was just explaining to anyone that wasn't of the the Catholic persuasion or Christian. No, the Catholicism is the only real branch of Christianity, and um, the Sub-faction. yeah, just like taking some stuff. <laughs> subfaction you choose when you when you choose Christianity, you get these legions abilities, but then you also take a subfaction, and it's either Protestant, Catholic, non-denominational, or Lutheran. And then you have like orthodox. You have orthodox your ones are wild. They have great art, and you you can get crazy with it. And like, there's the one faction that doesn't talk to any of the other factions. It's the Jehovah Witnesses. It gets crazy out there. Oh, I thought you were talking about the Mormons. <laughs> no, no, they, they don't. They don't play in the game. They- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the, the great thing, the illusion ability for for Catholics is it. You basically get to be to have Jewish like levels of guilt. Which yeah. is a huge benefit. Yeah, and also you get to do, you get to break all the rules, and as long as you say you're sorry at one point, it's okay. Yeah, but you do you do give up access to allies like fish or, or meat on Fridays. Yeah, you're allowed to have fish. You can have items only during on Fridays. Only during Lent. The rest of the year, we're good to go. Um, it's sort of like a privilege multiplier as well, depending on where you are. So. I love Salt Lake City. Salt Lake City was probably my favorite place that I've been in America, and I've done a few trips to the States. Uh, the people were just awesome. The the basketball, we were there for a jazz home stretch. So the jazz played um, five games in seven nights, and uh, the food was amazing. The t- topography, the, the landscape was amazing. Oh, yeah, Salt Lake uh, is beautiful. It's just stunning. It's just really, really cool. Like, it's not somewhere you would go in your early 20s or if you wanted to go clubbing, um, but with a young family, it was the absolute best place that I've been, and I, I can't wait to get back to the States and um, to hit Utah in a, a ski season and go and stay in Park City. Uh, because that looks awesome as well. Is your plan to to make plans with with Joe and then never show up, just like you did last time? Oh yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I should have bought my thumb. <laughs> Uh, that's funny. That physically hurt. I like it. <laughs> My ribcage hurts. <laughs> oh man! So Sam, how old are you turning tomorrow? Turning thirty-three, which is very Holy exciting. Shit! Yeah. Jesus, Jesus is aged. Bro. I have not aged well. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um. <laughs> I'm gonna like this has been easily the worst year of my my life so far, um, through a, a, a combination of circumstance. I'm gonna try and make this next year better than the last, which is um, uh, it's, it's shouldn't be that hard. To, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I found twenty five dollars on the street today. Sweet, I am better year than last. Um, yeah, it sort of um, it culminated in in recently a mouse broke into my apartment. And, <laughs> Um, I was at war. <laughs> I was at war with a mouse before. Did you, hours, did you win or did you lose 71 men? <laughs> I, <laughs> I ended up building a cycling fence. There's this episode of Breaking Bad um, 
and they're down. It's it's towards the end. Is that the knock on the middle origin story? Yeah, that's right. Hal Hal's down in the um the basement cooking because he's a meth dealer. Um, he's cooking down in the basement, and there's a fly that gets in there, and it's like a fly in the ointment sort of thing, and it's supposed to be a sterilized environment. And that that episode, both of the um both of the chemists get completely paranoid about this fly. And that's what I was like about this mouse. I could see it like running up walls. I could see it out of the corner of my eye in the roof. I could hear it at nighttime planning. Um, but anyway, his, his life is over. You got him. Got him. What if he had, did you give him a proper warrior burial? I, um, I picked him up in a, a nappy bag. So he's in a scented bag for the, the remainder of his days. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just happened to be garbage day, so he's, he's gone as far as as far as he could go as quickly as possible, which is good for all concerned. Yeah, but did you flush him down the toilet or put him in the garbage? Garbage, man. I'm not flushing oh, yeah. him. No okay, way. Yeah, good. So th- this is no like that's that's more appropriate for the um, the sequel to Finding Nemo. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I did with Finding Nemo, which was really interesting, is with the domestic releases. They had some characters um, that were voiced by local stars, and the um, the star in inverted commas for us was one of the hosts of our morning show, which is called Today, and his name's Carl Stefanovic. And um, it, it ended up that we have this thing called the Logies, which is like our local, um, like our local media awards. And every year, all of the local shows and presenters are up for this thing called the Gold Logie, and winning it is is pretty prestigious. Um, and one year he was nominated but didn't win the Gold Logie. Um, and then he turned up the next morning at his morning um, morning show telecast nationally, like he's a really big name, um, and he was just cooked off his head. And <laughs> he the, the three show on a completely different planet. So um, uh, he's in Finding Nemo, which is great. <laughs> We're not doing it again. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> Um, fuck. Damn it, Lily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, uh, fuck, man. I don't know what else we got, man. We got anything else? Sam, show notes? It. We can, yeah, yeah we, read the show we notes. We can call it there. I'm, I'm ready to go to sleep. I can see... My presents are out. I'm going to take a photo of them. All right, dude. Well, thanks for coming on the show. My pleasure. Yeah, and uh, so after the break, we'll be back with uh, our, our main segment, which is... Open. Uh... <laughs> 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 yeah, we're going to do a fast review of a bunch of films cold opens. Um, Sam, if people want to get in touch with you or find all of your ridiculous content, where could they do that and how would they find it? Do you want me to tell a quick story about this woman I used to work with first? Yes. Nope. <laughs> um, she had to take a, like a week's leave one time and um, she called me up and she was quite distraught. And it, it, as it turned out, she'd broken up with her partner and I was unaware that she was in a relationship. And when she came back, it was like a week later. Um, I said to her, Hey, how you going? She said, yeah, it was a really rough breakup. Um, and I'm like, sort of like, not uh, like I, I'm for two reasons. I'm not prying. The first is it would be inappropriate to ask her those questions about like her personal life. And the second is I don't care. So um, 
So I'm like trying to both be supportive, but also not be intrusive. Um, and I said, oh, well, you know, if there's anything you need to talk about, you're most welcome to. If you need to grab a coffee, let me know sort of thing and just sort of left it there. And she's like, oh, all right then. She said, oh, I was a really tough breakup. Um, she'd been going out with this bloke for like six months and they'd broken up because the relationship wasn't physical enough. And I'm like, oh, man, this is, this is an overshare. I don't need to know this. Um, and I just like, you know, you don't know what to say. She's like, oh, what, what did he do with himself? Or what, like, do you know what I mean? Like, what, like clearly she wants to talk about it, give us some of the background or whatever. She's like, yeah, so I, I went to a seance um, <laughs> I met a ghost and you've been dating a ghost for six months. What? what? <laughs> you didn't tell us that you knew Demi Moore? <laughs> oh, man. And then, yeah, she took a week off, so that's good. There you go. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Why didn't you lead with that? That was perfect cold open. <laughs> So you can find me at, at Araby Rises. Um, I've pu- put out a couple of the the reviews the, the guys are talking about. I'm sort of taking a, a pretty slow approach to it at the moment. But if you want to jump onto um, jump onto the YouTubes, I'm over there as at Fast Features, and I'm on Twitter as at Fast Features as well. And hopefully, um, is that one actually when, you? Yeah, that one's actually me. When things when things calm down a bit over here. Um, I'm hoping to get really stuck right into that. And ideally I'd like to be in a place where I'm, you know, chucking one up a day kind of thing. Um, the, the format's going to need to change a bit from where I started. And at the moment they're pretty, they're, they're very, very, very beginner. Um, but that's cool. I'm completely comfortable with that. Like it's, it's a new thing for me and I'm really enjoying doing it. And I'm, you know, I I just, I watch a, a movie It's sometimes two or three movies every single day, um, I think I've just got to jump on and just say what I think about them and, and whack it online rather than overthink it or curate it. So, um, yeah, if people are interested in, in checking that out, please do. And, and please also be aware that it's um, it's certainly in its infancy and I'm, I'm hoping it's going to go from strength to strength. And you've got a, a Patreon up, right? No, I don't have a... No, no, no Patreon. Uh, do you still have the Dwellers Patreon active? No, we, we close that because ostensibly we were stealing from the community. Right, so, you have a Patreon. So, so it, it, is, is there a plan for more Dwellers content ever, or is it over? You know, definitely, but we do it in person, and we, we haven't, because of, because of the industries that we work in, um, there hasn't been an opportunity to do that literally since March, the way that our lockdown, our lockdown has sort of ramped up and then gone down, then ramped up, then gone down, and different people have had, because we do like localized quarantines as well. So there's been multiple times that people have been exposed to someone that's either tested positive or exposed to someone that's had to go into quarantine. And then you, we just haven't been able to hang out. So w- when we did catch up rather than record, we just played games, which was a way better idea. Oh, of course. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so let's talk about your works. Um, so we know, uh, Nick is into oppression as of living, right. And then you have, uh, Sam, you're a corporate shill. Uh, Lockie sees in the means of production, and Danny moves furniture. Right? Lockie and I work on a continuum. Actually, he's the <laughs> he's the seller, and I'm the buyer. So that's that's really interesting. Um, and Danny, I, Danny, Danny could be anything. We went and saw him in a play, and he was really awesome. Um, and it's just the sort of industry where you need one one thing to break your way. Um, and all of a sudden that can open up a whole heap of doors for a whole heap of different gigs. So I'm hoping that he ends up, there's, um, 
there's there's a heap of um, local police shows here, like Blue Healers and Water Rats or The Bill. I'm hoping he ends up on one of them. I think that'd be awesome. Because then he can just bring, like, use Nick as source material for his character. Exactly. Um, there's a comedian that did this whole bit about like being trying to be an actor, and he finally gets. He finally gets he finally gets his like this opportunity to be in like like Law and Order. I don't know if you guys know that's a show, but um, uh, dun, 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 <laughs> yeah. So he's in he's in Law and Order, right? And he's like just like a guy who's gonna stab somebody, and he's like, the only line I had was I'll, I'll cut you good, and he's like, so I'm just practicing it there. I'm like, I'll, I'll cut you good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, no, maybe I try with more of an accent. Like, I'll cut you good. Like, and he's just going on and on. And he's like, yeah, I finally got my chance to the audition. I go, man, I'm gonna cut you so hard. You're gonna wish I cut you so hard. Right? So they put him in the show, right? They put him in the show. He does this whole thing. He makes, he gets the audition. He's in the show. He recorded him and his wife sit down to watch it. They watch the episode. He's not in it. And his wife looks at him and goes, they cut you good. <laughs> So he was probably foreign. Is that what? What? What was that saying? We didn't hear you. I was trying to do a bit, but it, it didn't work. So that's just, 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 just. you know what they, they say. They say the most important thing about comedy.
Thank you.